think we've got to be the body to rock it like we're never going to see it again. We are exploding, the world is going to know it. We'll rock it like we're never going to see us again. Come on over. Come on over. Good evening, everyone. It is 10 p.m. and Pure Gold is live on the air for this Tuesday night, November 29th, 2011. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. The 2011 season is finally upon us, and Pure Gold is closing in on one year of being on the air. Welcome to the show that covers everything, anything, and tells it like it is. My name is Joe Buccino, and seated in his ho-ho-ho chair, my co-host and tag team partner, David Gomez. Sir, how are you, and how was your Thanksgiving? Doing fabulous. My Thanksgiving was fabulous. PG is here. They're all it's fabulous. And you had a good Thanksgiving? A great Thanksgiving, an amazing Thanksgiving, a PG Thanksgiving. That's good to hear, sir. Tonight's show, folks, let's just face it, we got the good, the bad, and the ugly. But before we do get into that, sir, let's give out the contact information. As always, folks, if you'd like to be a part of the program, you can call us at 714-364-4700. Once again, 714-364-4721. You can check out our website, puregoldpg.com, where you can check out our Twitter, our Facebook, our YouTube, and all that other goodness. We have a lot of things going on, a lot of exciting things. And, of course, you can hear all of our past interviews there. JB. Thank you, sir. And as I sip my unofficial drink of pure gold, my Arizona iced tea, it's only fitting that our next guest is from Arizona. Yes, yes, that is absolutely correct, sir. That's quite a, uh, what's the word I'm looking here? Quite a smooth segue. We're joined by the one and only, the talented, the wonderful, Miss Arizona of 2010, Brittany Bell. Brittany, how are you doing this evening? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you. That's good. That's good to hear. How are things over there in the lovely state of Arizona? Arizona's been wonderful. It's growing. It's becoming an amazing state, and it's keeping up with all of the other current states that are thriving off of all of the big city life. I mean, I go back, and it's like L.A. and Arizona aren't too shy from each other in certain ways. In other ways, it's a little different. <laughs> right, right. Well, I, I can understand that. I mean, we're here from New Jersey, so obviously, you know, every state has their little nuances. And being that you're from Arizona... Let me ask you, uh, let's get right down to this. What exactly did you feel? What was going through your mind? Tell us, what was it like to represent this state, of course, and win Miss Arizona uh, back in 2010? Man, it was beyond an honor. Um, It was just blew my mind out of anything. The second that I won, I was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm representing my whole entire state. And for the fact that I had grown up in Arizona since elementary school all the way through went to Arizona State University. I was a hardcore Arizonian. And so <laughs> having that having that desire and that love to represent Arizona and then getting granted with that blessing, I was thrilled. I couldn't wait to get involved in all the social, educational, um, political, right, any right. type of aspects for Arizona, and it was just amazing. It was the biggest blessing ever. <laughs> wow, that, that's definitely great to hear. Now, tell us what, what was it like, uh, you're Miss Arizona, of course, you go to the Miss USA pageant that same year. Uh, we had Rima Faki on our show, who was the Miss, Ar- Miss USA that year. Sorry, I kept saying Arizona. <laughs> uh, she was Miss USA in 2010. Um, have you? Did you ever come across her in any way other than at the stage? Like, have you dealt with her? You get a feel for the type of person she is. Anything of that nature? Uh, Rima and I. Are you asking about us too? Yeah, yeah. You and Rima. Yeah, Rima was wonderful. I first met her back at a retreat that we had. There's a little pageant retreat that they have Uh in Virginia. And they put it on for the girls who decide to participate. Not everybody comes, but about half of the states that were at Miss USA ended up at this retreat back in January. And while we were there, Rima was one of the contestants, well, the title holders that were there. And instantly, we were the ones that weren't afraid to get behind the mask and grab a paintball gun and shoot paintballs at each other. And we were the ones that were sort of like daredevils amongst a few other girls. But we were we got along fairly well. And then at Miss USA, seeing each other again, it was like we already knew each other from 
from the retreat. So she and I had a lot of fun joking around with each other every once in a while, but we were still focused on the crown. So when you're competing, you have fun, right, right. but then you still stay focused. So it's kind of a mixture. Right. Well, oh, I was actually going to ask you about that. I mean, you're going up there. Uh, you wanted to take her down, of course. Um, <laughs> did you feel Did you feel a disappointment? What went through your mind when you didn't end up winning uh, Miss USA? Well, there was definitely disappointment because you work so hard to get to this goal and you feel like it's a blessing to even be at this opportunity. And then to feel like you're one of the top contenders and you're representing a state like Arizona, you are so proud, not to mention that I was a minority representing in in a state where not many minorities are present. Um, You know, we have a, a strong calling in Arizona, but we're not, it's not as prevalent as places like California, New York, all the other states that are major, and Arizona's a pretty large state, so it was an honor to be there, but then not to be able to be selected in the top 15 was a, it blew a lot of the people's minds that were there. I had over 80 people in the stands representing Arizona and happy to be there, and so it was definitely a letdown, but you know, at the end of the day, I had to realize that God always is in control, and anything that happens is because of him. And so he allowed it to happen for a reason, and now it all plays out to where I completely understand. But it was a little bit of a letdown because I felt like I had been representing Arizona at a time when there was a little bit of a political, I don't know, there was a little bit of political unrest with Arizona because of the immigration laws that were attempting to go into effect at that time. So I was representing a state that was not highly favored by many other states, and there was sort of a ban going on business-wise with Arizona. And I was at Miss USA, and I remember being at one of the shows that they were that invited all the title holders to, and there were people in the audience passing by looking at all of our sashes. They recognized Arizona, and they said, oh, where's your green card? <laughs> so it was, it was wow. you felt a little bit of that tension kind of pull into the Miss USA experience, but it wasn't, I didn't have anything to do with the Miss USA organization. It was just, you know, you can feel that there was something going on. So it was a little bit of a letdown, but at the end of the day, it was an awesome opportunity, awesome blessing, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Wow. Hey, Brittany, this is Joe from Pure Gold. Um, speaking of achievements, uh, you were, I see here the first ever Miss Studio City for 2011. What's that exactly mean, Miss Studio City? Well, well, actually, after competing at Miss USA, I ended up moving out to Los Angeles um, to pursue my career in broadcast journalism. And while doing that, I came across the Miss America organization. And while being a little bit intrigued by the Miss America organization because I knew that they represented so many amazing things just like Miss USA does, but they're a little bit more driven in um, a couple other areas that Miss USA highlights differently. Um, And so when I went into Studio City and I started to live there, I said, you know what, I'm going to check out what it takes to go to Miss California of the Miss America organization. So I competed at Miss Studio City in order to win a local title first. You have to compete against girls. You win that local title, and then you get to go to Miss California. So I competed for Miss Studio City amongst um, a big group of girls, and I won. So now I'm currently representing Miss Studio City until mid-January, where I'll crown the next girl. Wow. And with all this experience that you've had over the last couple of years, is there any advice you want to give to all the girls out there that want to try out to be a model or even go out for these pageants? Absolutely. I would love to tell them, never let anything hold you back from doing what you desire in your heart because I won Miss Arizona on my first try. I had no pageant experience. It was because you have to know who you are, what you want, and why you want it. And when you have that passion inside and you let God take control, you have a strong faith inside of you, anything can happen, and you have to let yourself make the experience, not let the experience make you. Wow, that's 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 definitely some some good advice, and it's interesting because of you know we've had uh, Morgan Woolard on, who's uh, Miss Oklahoma that same year. We had your predecessor, and also you know by Twitter, according to Twitter, your roommate um, Alicia Blanco was on a couple weeks ago, and uh, it's interesting because everybody always has their own experience and their own you know take on what would you do with this and what would you tell people. Well, one thing I'm curious about, and I, we've asked this to them, and and I want to hear your answer. What would you say are the best part and the worst part of the recognition that you get being a pageant winner and, of course, being involved in other ones? Uh, 
Alicia didn't like the term, but I'll throw it out there to you. Being a celebrity, because let's face it, you know, you're you're known, people know Arizona, they know the Miss Arizona pageant, so, you know, by by default almost, you become a celebrity, a local celebrity, and then, of course, national, you're competing in Miss, Miss USA and everything. What would you say the best and worst part of the recognition that you've gotten doing all that? Well, definitely the best part is being able to impact other people and having that public figure spotlight. I totally love to absorb the fact that I get the opportunity to reach out to many people. And I could take it and run with it in the negative direction, or I could take it and run with it in a positive direction. But the amount of encouragement that you get from the support that people give you or the fact that you know that people are looking up to you or they even admire the fact that you're a state title holder is out of this world. And it's a chance that nobody can really get. I don't know if you guys know this, but it's less likely for a woman to have a daughter who goes to Miss USA than it is for a woman to have a son that goes to the Super Bowl. So it's a complete honor. And then to know that people are looking at you and they admire you and they look to you for encouragement, anything that they can possibly take from you in a positive way, that is the biggest benefit of all. And to know that you get this it's a little stepping stool in your career and your path that you get to use in order to elevate all of your ambitions and then also to gain a lot of encouragement and support. So that's the best part. Now, the worst part can be the stereotype that you can be given sometimes, which is, oh, you're just a pretty face and there's not much behind you. But that all comes with you being able to show yourself and be confident about yourself and not let anything hinder you. So really the negative, if you're strong enough, it doesn't really hinder you. Um, but at the same time, another negative aspect can be is that you get you get put into this stigma and then many people sort of think that you're not real. They think that all of your answer, answers are pageant answers and that you're right, just right. being this pageant patty and you're not. You're like, this is me, this is who I am. And sometimes they can kind of put you in this box of, oh, well, she's a pageant girl, so that's why she talks like that. That's why she believes the way she is. Okay. Now, now Brittany, I'm not... Now, Brittany, I'm not going to hold this against you, but I see that you're a, a Phoenix cheerleader, Phoenix Suns cheerleader, and I'll get to the reason why I won't hold that against you. But uh, how, did, how long did that last, and tell us about that experience. Oh, that was an amazing experience because that organization is phenomenal. They have the most amazing ethics and just the greatest foundation that you could possibly ever ask for. I don't know of any other NBA teams that have an organization like this. I'm sure there are many. But my experience there started in 2006 when I was 18. I had just started my junior year of college, and I was actually finishing out my sophomore year of college, and I decided to just go for it. I didn't have much dance experience beyond learning in school. I had a great teacher, and I decided to compete, and I won the opportunity. I was awarded the opportunity through a very strict um, competition process, which was competing against about 300 girls for one of 16 spots on this dance team, and I won that. I, I say won because it truly is a prize to be on that team. I won that back in 2006. I danced for them through the playoffs. We beat the Lakers. It was awesome. There's no other feeling besides being at playoffs and being on that court and dancing and representing a team that is so strong. So 2006, 2007, I swear that was our year, except this, the Spurs kind of, you know, there's a fluke with one of the rest. So I'm not going to go into that. You know, I'm very competitive. But <laughs> I kept dancing with them, and I kept competing. Every year you have to retry out. So I competed again and again and again, and I finished out um, in the year of 2009. So from 2006 to 2009, awesome experience. I did All-Star Weekend. I went to Madrid. It was just, wow. to be honest, but I could talk about it for days. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's good. Folks, we're here on Pure Gold, joined by Miss Arizona 2010 and also Miss Studio City 2011, Brittany Bell. Now, Brittany, the reason why I asked or I told you that I wouldn't hold against you because I'm actually a Boston Celtics fan. Now, are you into basketball? Yes, I definitely am. Are you a Suns fan? Yeah, to to the heart. I can't. I can't go for any other team except for the Suns. Like, my my passion for them goes beyond explanation right now. <laughs> oh, uh, while you were a cheerleader, did you get, did you get to interact with uh, some of the players? Yes, I definitely did get to meet and talk to some of the players when we would have different events. Um, you know, I met Steve Nash, Andrew Barbosa. We saw Mari Stoudemire. We see them out, you know, Boris Diaw. 
all of the all of the players were very very sweet and very cordial to us. So we definitely had a chance to say hi. We work with each other. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> that's that's definitely some some good stuff there. Um, you know, we talk a lot about, about sports on here, and yeah, you know, we've had you know quite a, a few models and whatnot. So it's always an interesting mix. I know uh, you know we, we've had people like uh, Rima, for example. She's dating uh, Ricky Romero from the uh, from the Blue Jays. Um, Morgan went to the World Series, so you know we have this whole basketball thing with you, which is which is really cool. Now, um, being that we asked again another question that I have to ask you, we asked the girls this also. Um, how do you balance your faith? And I know I, I don't mean this in a negative way, but when you speak and, and you know you, you come across as extremely intelligent, which I'm sure that you are, but you also come across almost like you're like a preacher, and not in a negative way, because I know people tend to use that negatively. Uh, they tend to say, oh, you know, she's preachy, I, and that, that's not what I'm saying. But you come across like you're very confident. You're just almost like you're, you know, you're preaching and you're speaking the Word of God. Now, how do you balance your faith with your with your career, with your modeling career? Because I know that, um, you know, I, I'm a youth minister, so I deal a lot with kids, and, and I've mentioned this many times in the show. You know, you hear comments, you hear things, whether it's from old school people with their mentalities and, you know, women shouldn't do this or Christian women shouldn't do that, mostly women, unfortunately. Um how do you deal with your faith, and have you gotten any negative feedback over being that you're a model and also a, a Christian woman? Well, actually, instead of balancing my faith with my career, it's actually that I balance my career with my faith. Um, my faith comes first, and that's my way of life, what I believe, because my convictions have been established so strong through a lot of challenging the Word of God and really going against it to see what 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 is real and what is not real, testing it out and really challenging my life and to see where I needed to be in accordance with what God asked of me. Um, my faith is strictly just straight to the Bible. Um, it's no denomination. It's just I believe in the Word of God and that's what I follow. So in addition to that, I find out where does my career balance in with my faith. So God comes first and then from there I just have to rely on Him for everything I do. I've actually had a, t- a chance where I was going out for a part and I was auditioning and there was a lot of curse words. For me, I don't curse. And it right, was right. challenging to me because in the script there were curse words. I decided to hold to my face first and believe in the conviction of, no, I will not do that for me. Right, right. And I didn't. And guess what happened? They still hired me. They wanted me. And I didn't <laughs> curse at all in the audition. And that just strengthened my faith of God is in control. If he wants you to right. have it, you're going to get it. So with modeling, it was a little bit of a challenge because at Miss USA, I was I was actually a very brand-new Christian going to Miss USA, but, you know, you feel sexy when you get to dress really fun and you do very Victoria's Secretish style photo shoot. Um, that was kind of challenging to my faith afterwards because, you know, we were dressed in very immodest clothing, but I had to really ask myself afterwards, okay, what could I have done better to represent um, you know, a godly woman a little bit better because I last thing I want to do is make anybody struggle. So what I do first is I assess where in my faith do I line up? Does my life and my doctrine add up? And where it doesn't add up, where do I need to improve? And um, with modeling, it's just God comes first, then comes the modeling, and he blesses me, and I have yet to fail in that area. Wow. That, that's That's really powerful because you actually – I was going to piggyback that question with what you just already answered about if you've ever had any times where, um, you know, you've had to really step up to the plate or somebody has asked you to do something you can, you know, consider to be immoral or something that um, conflicts with your faith. So it's really it's really great because, like I said, you come across as someone who really knows what she's talking about. You come across as somebody who um, very firm in her convictions, and that, that that's awesome because, you know, again, you don't hear a lot of that. I mean, we've interviewed a lot of Christians on this show and I've I've heard some comments, uh, asked some questions, certain people who've who've given answers that really just kind of like don't don't jive. Like you know, it sounds weird, but you know that they've they've made comments that make me say like you know what is he talking about? Like what kind of, you know what kind of an answer is that? Or like you know this may not bother me, that may not bother me, but you know it, it's definitely a, a powerful answer that you gave because you're, you like I said you're so firm in what you believe that you, you comes across in the way that you speak. So I definitely applaud you for that because ultimately. You know, as a Christian, what's most important should be your faith, not your your job or your career, because everything else does come secondary. Now, since you answered all that, one thing that I'm curious about, and this is kind of you know off the beaten path, but we had your roommate on 
a couple of weeks ago. She came across very nice, very sweet. But I would like the inside scoop. The pure gold audience like the inside scoop. What is Alicia really like? Is she as nice as she seems, or is that just <laughs> Alicia, you know, playing it up for the for the crowd, as it were? No, she's actually very, very, very sweet and very soft-hearted. Um, one thing about living with Alicia that I think God has allowed us to live together for is the fact that I'm very much the strong girl that kind of just deals and keeps on moving. And I would be the type I always say, I'm like, one day when I have children, let's hope I have boys because if they fall, I'll tell them, get back <laughs> up and keep moving. Where Alicia is the type that you tell her a sad story and she'll start tearing up immediately <laughs> and she'll cry and she's so sensitive and she's just loving. She has an awesome heart and awesome ability to be very humble in um, certain cases and she has a, a sense of sweet vulnerability to her and I really appreciate her being my roommate because that is something that I'm learning to be more sensitive and more loving. As I'm a woman, I have that natural sense, of right, course. Right, right. But she has a special heart where she's very loving and very sweet and I can really appreciate that about her and also if we're, you know, being roommates, we're not always going to get along with each other. And there's things that we disagree with and there's things that we do agree with. And at the end of the day, she is one roommate that I have never been able to come home and not laugh at something with. And um, we laugh all the time at things. She just gets me, and it's a lot of fun. But if we ever have a challenging moment where we're just, you know what, she's leaving, off to work, I don't want to say goodbye, we're just like, whatever, <laughs> we work it out. And we, at the end of the day, we end up texting each other. Actually, I don't think 20 minutes has gone by without us being like, I love you, so grateful for you being my roommate, thank you, I appreciate you. And then we send yeah. each other scriptures, so... That's definitely that's yeah. definitely sweet. It sounds a lot like my relationship with my co-host Joe, except for all the "I love you" because you know we're not we're not sending each other those kind of messages. But for the most part, we just pretty much talk all day, insult each other, and then at the end of the day, joke around and you know, all right, we gotta do the show. Let's go. Let's be nice to each other. <laughs> so you know, it's definitely cool to to hear that aspect. And of course, uh, you know, Brittany, we we appreciate you giving us some time, and you know, being that there's a time zone difference and everything. We appreciate you taking time in your schedule to, to talk to us. Now, let us know, let the fans know, how can they follow you? I know you have a website and whatnot, and you're on Twitter and all that, so let the fans know, how can they follow you? And also, what is next for you? You know, you're at this new phase in life. You're Miss Studio City until January. Tell the fans what's next coming up in your career. Well, you can follow me at BrittanyBell.com. It's just B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-B-E-L-L.com. Or you can also follow me on Twitter, which is Miss B Bell. It's at Miss B Bell. And um, what you can expect from me next is a lot to do with the hosting and representation area of my life. I I will be representing companies and um, definitely going to be representing WestLAToday.com. I work with a production company called Affinity TV. And with them, um, I host every single day what's going on in the West LA area and it's been a lot of fun there's an ask Brittany segment where you can ask me any questions so you can go on there and and get more insight into what's going on by asking doing um I'm sorry ask Brittany at westlatoday.com and um you can pretty much expect to maybe see me in um on a website or hosting with a big company soon, hopefully. I can't speak on what it is yet <laughs> right, until they release right, right. it. But once they release it, I'll definitely keep Pure Gold in the know. Definitely. We we appreciate that. We get a lot of that from people. The guests are always like, I can't tell you what it is, but it's going to be great, but I can't talk about it, so let's change the subject type of thing. <laughs> but well, listen, I can tell you. I'll be, able to, I'll be able to tell you within, like, the next two weeks or so. I know that. Okay. Awesome. Well, you know, definitely let us know. And, of course, uh, anything exciting happening, if your goal wants to know about it. Brittany, we appreciate it again so much. Thank you for taking the time. You're a great guest. And, you know, keep on with your faith and just continue doing what, you, you know, you feel the Lord is leading you to do. And continue to be a great role model for, for women out there because they definitely need people like yourself and Alicia and Morgan to, to lead the way. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful you guys had me on here. I'm I'm really excited. I'm thankful you guys are just even asked me. I'm so privileged. So thank you. Uh, the pleasure is all ours. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. you too. Folks, that was the one and only Miss Arizona 2010, Miss Studio City 2011, Brittany Bell. And, JB, I know that uh, I, just, I just had to throw it out there. You know, she really came across uh, as a great guest, a uh, nice girl. You know, it took it took a while for us to figure out a date when we could make this happen. 
Uh, we've kind of been going back and forth on Twitter and everything, which is the interesting thing, sir, about trying to book guests is trying to lock them down to a date. I had I had her somewhere in the middle of December because of all the other guests we had, and then we had an opening, so I was like, you know, let's try to make this happen. And, uh, you know, again, it was great having her on, and, you know, all the hard work paid off, as it were, you know, to have such a wonderful guest on Pure Gold, as, of course, we tend to just get the best guests there. Well, it's always refreshing to have somebody that has a good head on their shoulder and just tells it like it is because that's what we find to be very refreshing on our show, that people right. come on, they're, they're, they're themselves, and they really tell it like it is, and they follow the Christian faith, and that just makes yeah. us proud, I think. Well, you know what's interesting, too, sir, is that you and I both have daughters. I mean, obviously, Sabrina's three, my daughter's just, you know, almost two months old. But, and I say this, and, you know, she's not on with us, but I say this honestly, I would love for my daughter to emulate somebody like that. The answers that she gave were just were awesome. Somebody like Morgan, even you know, at least somebody like Alicia, just women who have a good head on their shoulders, women who have their faith and their their careers that uh, you know, like she said, balancing their career with their faith, not the other way around. And and the type of women that other women need to look up to because it's amazing how much how the world is, society at large. Women have terrible role models like a Lady Gaga or a Kim Kardashian, and you know, not knocking those women, you know, whatever. That's between them and God, but they're really not good role models for for women. And I know you would agree with me that just the things that you see, the things that that, that they talk about, you know, you need positive role models, especially for women, because you know, if you and me, we could look at a guy and say, oh, he's he's a great football player, you know, and we we may be drawn to that, like, oh, that's a great role model for my kid, and he's like a Kurt Warner, for example, you know, that's a lot more in the open than women are who are good role models. So again, just have to throw that out there and really appreciate her giving us some time and, and just, you know, another wonderful guest on the show as we only, sorry, we get the best guest. That is a matter of fact. I'm I'm starting to think that Arizona is going to become the official drink of pure gold because we I do love Arizona tap it, We tap Arizona like no other state. <laughs> oh, of course we do. And it's interesting, you know, and again, we're going to have Miss New Jersey in a couple of weeks, but we, we're in New Jersey and we're getting literally half of our guests, almost all of our guests are from California. We had Anthony Tyler Quinn, we had Thor Ramsey, we had uh, Michael Jr., all of them from California. Uh, we've had, you know, Oklahoma, we had two from Arizona. You know, Rima, I don't even know what state she was in when she was calling us, but she's from Michigan. I don't even think we've had a guest from New Jersey, <laughs> other than a couple of football players maybe. I don't think we've had any local guests. So, you know, Justin's over there in Pittsburgh. I mean, it, it's just good stuff, sir. But, you know, we're going to have to move right along from this, uh, unfortunately, sir, this wonderful, wonderful topic. Um, I would like to dive into the NFL. Now, I don't know how much I'm going to say about my team, Joe, um, and, of course, you know, you can chime in with the Jets, but, uh, you know, i got, I got to get this off my chest. Before we get into your team, i got to get this off my chest, sir. Go ahead. What an absolute disgrace. What an absolute <laughs> debacle. What an absolute farce. That game last night between the New York not-so-Giants and the New Orleans Saints, the Giants embarrassed themselves. They disgraced themselves. Their families should be ashamed of them. Their mother should disown them. They should go into counseling. They did not show up. Sir, the Giants scored 21 points in the second half of the game, and they got blown out by 25. The the Saints literally didn't have to score in the second half. They still would have won. Explain to me, sir, how the Giants, sir, the Giants gave up 577 total yards of offense. That's the second highest total they have ever allowed in their history and the most since World War II when Chicago gained almost 700 yards against them. Sir, how did that happen? Explain that to me, sir. How does it happen? I think, I mean, I I hate to make excuses for the Giants because I'm not a Giant fan, but, like, injuries have really caught up to them, sir, and I, I know that that sounds like an excuse, but that's the truth. When you're playing a team like the Saints that had 10 days to rest up and to watch all that film on the Giants who played Sunday night, last Sunday night, you know, I I can't expect anything less or more of the Giants because I think they're a team that has lost their confidence, they've lost their way. Tom Coughlin is on the hot seat. I think, you know, you have some of the players, um, and you never hear Giant players talk out of term or to the media and say, like, you know, we're already taking that swoon that we took two years ago and last year. And it's just like the team is all over the place. And this is where 
Um, Eli is such a great quarterback, but he's not, I don't think, a, a good leader inside the clubhouse. Because any, like, you know, we always look to the quarterback as being the leader of the team. You figure Eli, you know, gathers the team, has a closed-door players-only meeting, and, and says, like, enough of this BS. Let's just, you know, get this out of our system, and let's just play some football. Like, the Giants know how to play football. But, sir, the team's in all disarray right now. Besides the injuries, I think that Tom Coughlin has lost his team. And uh, if this is going to happen again for the third year in a row, I, I don't see Tom Coughlin keeping his job after this year. I agree. I, You know, some people may may disagree. Some people may think that, uh, you know, he needs to keep his job, blah, blah. But this, this is going to be the third year in a row the Giants don't make the playoffs, and I'm sure that they're not going to make I mean, I'm sure that they're, they're going to – they're tanking it as we speak. I just don't know what happened. I mean, to me, it's in, it's insane, sir. It is absolutely insane. You know, the Saints are a good team. The Saints are a very good team. And, yeah, I thought the Giants would lose because I said it last week on our show. But I didn't think that they were going to get manhandled, sir. The receivers dropped more balls than I could count. They sucked it up. They scummed it up like nobody else. They were 100%, and I'm going to get into the preview the, for this week, 100%, lock it up, throw away the key, and, again, think what you want. They're going to lose on Sunday to the Packers. I wouldn't be surprised if they get bombed like they did this time. I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers set all-time records against the Giants and get over 700 yards because Aaron Rodgers is unconscious right now and the Giants play like they're unconscious. I mean, they suck. They're washed up. You can all but kiss this year, and you can kiss Tom Coughlin goodbye. Like you mentioned, they're not going to make the playoffs again this year. The fans are calling for the cough's head on a big, fat, sloppy blue plate. Giants are going down. They're going to be 500. I said at the beginning of the year, Giants are going to end up 8-8 eight eight at best with all the injuries. They were 6-2. and two. They're going to be 6-6. Six and six. And those last four games are going to be brutal, having to face the Cowboys twice, sir. I mean, this season, it, to me, it, this season is all but over. I don't see If the Giants perform a miracle, you know, Sunday, then that, that's the only way to save their season. Other than that, they are done. As Jerome would say, D-O-E-N, done. <laughs> yeah, I mean – I see your point of view, and I see like the almost like the jet fan in you being so pessimistic about this, but to be <laughs> cliche to be cliche, you should take it one game at a time and um, I did mention this before or earlier today, but I do remember a a super team known as the Denver Broncos back in nineteen ninety eight They were chasing immortality, trying to go undefeated. they were fourteen and zero against a giant team that wasn't so good, and I do recall the Giants beating. You know, the Denver Broncos, while they were undefeated at the time, and, you know, given the Broncos their first loss. So I'm going to turn to that and the fact that the Giants have really, you know, I know that they're playing for their lives right now. They're playing for their playoff uh, lives. But I, I think that they're going to be a much more relaxed team coming home against, the uh, you know, the Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Everyone, I mean, everybody expects the Green Bay Packers to blow them out. I actually think that's going to be a close game uh, the Denver, um, the Denver Broncos, the Green Bay Packers have been, you know, they've been playing well, but they're not like this machine when they're on the road. So I really think that the Giants really do have a chance for the upset. I mean, gun to my head, I don't think they're going to uh, lose to the Giants, but I think it's going to be a close game, and I think that the Giants will have an opportunity to win that game in the fourth quarter. Whether they do that or not, I'm not sure because uh, Green Bay is just, you know, a team that's just playing like, you know, the Super Bowl champion. Let's just face it, they're the defending Super Bowl champion. So, sir, I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I actually think the Giants have a chance to win it. Whether they do or not, that's, you know, to be seen on Sunday. Joe, they, uh, as a fan, and, you know, I, I've always said this, and I'll continue to say it, my dad is a Jets fan. Um, you know, I, I, I don't dislike the Jets. Not a big fan of their coach, but I've always wanted them to win. I've always wanted them to do well. If I wasn't a, Gi- a Giants fan because of my brother and because of my cousin, I would be a Jets fan. That's just, you know, I, it, let me put it this way. In baseball, I'm a Mets fan. If not, I have nothing else. But if I wasn't a Giants fan, I, I would definitely not be opposed to being a Jets fan. I'd be a loser like you, like the rest of the fans. Like, you know, we were born to be as uh, Mets and Jets fans. And, you know, being Mets fans, you, you just got to lose. Thank thank goodness for you. You got the Celtics, at least, who, who you know, who have their titles. Um but this is just this this season has gone from pleasantly optimistic to down in the toilets, flush it down, big old you know what all over it because they've fallen apart like I like I can't believe they looked sloppy yesterday. They looked terrible. Their guys were dropping passes that my you know my 
seven-week-olds could have caught terrible, terrible plays. And I, don't, I definitely do not put this at Eli's feet. But my goodness, the Giants, sir, you know, Mike Francesa, the sports pope, said today, it seemed like the only guy who showed up on defense was uh, Pierre Paul. Nobody else seemed like they were even there to play. I, I just don't understand. The Giants are talking about this fire. I heard Antro roll, fire, fire. We're going to come up with fire. They, they came up with fire, right? They blew up right in the right in the middle of the first quarter. And, and I just, it was a disgrace, sir, an absolute disgrace. Yeah, um, I don't know if we should talk about the Giants anymore because you might go on a rant and might hang up on me. So let's uh, continue on and talk about the New York Football Jets. Yes, um, I know you didn't watch the game on Sunday, so let me break it down for you. The Jets won a game that they could have easily lost, and the fact that the game was so close and the Jets were at home at MetLife Stadium says a lot of things about the Jets. And a lot of people are blaming this on Mark Sanchez. Well, folks, I'm here to tell you that yeah, Mark Sanchez is to is um he's to share part of his blame, but he's not the full blame. I mean, he threw four touchdowns this past Sunday, albeit one or two interceptions on Sunday as well. But he is not the sole reason why the Jets are playing so mediocre right now. This defense is not as good as it was two years ago or even last year. Let's just face facts. Darrell Rivas is not having a good year anymore. I mean, he gave up a couple touchdowns on Sunday that made him look like uh, a normal cornerback, not the best cornerback in the league. So between that, the running game is not even there anymore, and the offensive line is just not protecting Mark Sanchez. Let's just face facts, folks. The Jets are not as good as a team all around, and you cannot place this on Mark Sanchez. Everyone keeps telling me, you know, you got to get a new quarterback, or Mark Sanchez is not the Sanchez. Well, Mark Sanchez is a doable quarterback, when his team gets when he gets protection from the offensive line and he has a right. decent running game, I don't remember the last time the Jets ran for more than 100 yards in a game. And when they do run for 100 yards, Mark Sanchez looks good because he's actually good with the play action pass. He's actually good with some decent passes down the field if they give him time. Their right. their wide receivers sir, don't get open like you know. When you look at the Green Bay Packer wide receivers, when you look at the New Orleans Saints wide receivers, when you look at the New York Giant wide receivers. These these guys are fast, they're big, and they get down the field on time for their quarterback to give them the ball. The Jets have Santonio Holmes, who, okay, makes a couple good catches here and there, especially this year anyway. And then you have Praxical Burst that has lost a step. He'll make some decent catches, but not enough to, like, you know, just blame Sanchez not getting the ball. I just think it's unfair that Mark Sanchez is being the the sole you know the 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 guy that's being blamed for the Skate reason why they, right. they're not doing so good. Yeah, the scapegoat. Right, right. They're six and five. This week they travel to Washington to play a tough Washington Redskins team defensively. Their offense is putrid. Let's just face it, right. very right, putrid. So so the Giants, the Giants the Jets, lost to them, of course. Yeah, but the, what the Jets have to do is they have to play smart football. They have to score points in the red zone. Even if it's field goals, I mean, whenever they get a chance, they need to score points against this team because they really could beat them, and they could go to 7-5 and five and then come home to play Kansas City, and then we're talking about a team that could potentially be 8-5 and five after that because Kansas City, let's face it, they have no quarterback. Their team's not that good either. So the Jets have, I'd say, a tough task in terms of, like, they're playing a good defense, but I think they could go down there and win one of those ugly games, like 13-10, to 10, or even 16 to 10. So I'm going to pick a Jet win this week, only because you know they are six and five, and I think that Mark Sanchez will play a better game than he has. I mean, last week he played a good game, but the week before against the Broncos was not so good. But as long as he doesn't throw his pick six, and believe it or not, he leads the league in pick sixes this year. That's what the real killer is: is the fact that when his throws are picked off, they go for right. six, and that really that really kills your defense. That really and, kills your morale. And, yeah, so yeah, I really think that the Jets go into Washington, they play a smart game, they play a good defensive game, and they win one of those ugly games, like I said, either 16-10 or 16-13. Do you happen to know how many uh, interceptions he has this year? Um, I don't have the stat sheet in front of me, but I'm guessing he has like 12 or 13. Okay. Uh, you know, I'll have our, I'll have our uh, fictional producers look this up because I'd like to know yeah. what the what the stats are over on uh, the Sanchez uh, you know, it's interesting, sir, and, uh, you know, getting back to my team just for one second since you mentioned the Redskins, Giants could have beaten the Redskins, should have beaten the Redskins. I mean, the Giants could realistically, they're 6-5 and five now. They could realistically be like 8-3, and three, you know, realistically. But, you know, the Jets had a good win this weekend. They did what they had to do. The Buffalo Bills, I mean, they played them tough. 
The Bills, the Bills showed up this week. They didn't show up against the uh, the Dolphins, and they've been scumming it up since uh, starting out the year four and zero. But um, you know what? The, the Jets did what they had to do. They won, uh, which is obviously the important thing. Um, you know, you're you're picking them to win this week. What, what do you think? Uh, you think Sanchez is going to do anything? Is he going to have a good game, sir? Give me your give me your your, your pick of the week. Is uh, Sanchez? Is he going to be the Sanchez, or is he just going to? He's got 11 interceptions, by the way. Um, what do you think, sir? Give me some uh, break that down for me. Is Sanchez going to, you know, get his head out of his rear end? I know Rex Ryan had that whole, you know, having uh, Brunel take a couple of snaps to get Mark up there, and you know, Mark, you know, had, had a good game this Sunday. So, uh, is, is he going to be motivated, or, or what's the deal, sir? I think he's going to be very motivated to play good against Washington. I think this is the chance for the Jets. To, I mean, let's just face it; they pretty much have to run the table. And go 11 and five or 10 and six at the very worst to make the playoffs, um, which means that our game when the Giants play the Jets on Christmas Eve is going to be huge, and we should really you know talk that game up when it comes up. But um, I really think that Sanchez has a good game in terms of like not throwing interceptions this Sunday. I don't know if he's going to throw for more than one touchdown this Sunday. That's why I'm picking like one of those 16-13 games or 16-10 games that the Jets eke out, but they do win against a right. team that, that plays decent at home and really has a really good defense at home. Definitely, sir, definitely. Um, you know, those are your picks for the week from Pure Gold. Giants, on my part, to get bombed and to get annihilated. Um, and, of course, Joe's picking them to upset victory. And the Jets, you know, Joe says they'll win. I'll go with that. Jets Jets win against the Redskins on uh, on Sunday. Now, sir, there, there's some other uh, NFL notes that I'd like to get to, and I wanted to uh, to touch on, and of course, get your take. Um, first off, give us your thoughts on this whole Endamicon Sue, and that, that's that's an amazing name, by the way, great name. I had to look it up how to spell it, but uh, it, it's a sweet name. Give us your take on Endamicon Sue, the incident where he stomped on uh, on the player for the Packers, and they pushed his helmet into the dirt, kicked kicked his arm, stepped on his bicep, I believe. Uh, you know, he's been suspended for two games without pay by the NFL. He's going to have to attend anger management and all that stuff, and uh, he, allegedly he's going to be fined an extra 50K with the Lions. Break that down for us, sir. Sir, this is the same guy that was mimicking or mocking Tim Tebow after they sacked him. So, he's a, I mean, to me, he's a dirty player. He's a He's just a cheap player. And, like, for him to, like, stomp that guy's head into the ground three times, I mean, th- that's just dirty and low. I mean, there's no need for that. If I was a commissioner, give me that bite, somebody. <laughs> if we had a producer, I'd have that sound bite up right now. If I was a commissioner, I'd throw him out of league. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that, that's actually uh, that's actually quite interesting, sir. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! I think that uh, you know, in Damakon Su, like you said, he needs to he needs to go downtown to Chinatown because he has been scumming it up. And it just amazes me that you know this guy has done, and and, and he he didn't seem remorseful. Supposedly he kind of he kind of apologized for it or whatever the case is. But uh, right, you know. if I was the commissioner, I'd be out there on Monday. Keep me out. Gone. Gone. Finito. And I think you'd have these three words for uh, Ndamukong Su if he was playing against the. Go to hell. Exactly. <laughs> You know, it just uh, it it just amazes me the type of crap you see in the NFL, the way that these guys play, the way the way that they they uh, you know make us feel, sir. Make us all sick. That's how we <laughs> feel about Indomitian Sue on this show, um, sir. And there's something else here. There's something else. You know what, what I would like? I would like my team to do this, sir. from that, on a more positive note, I'm actually T-bowing right now as I discuss this next topic, and all I can say is, sir, when will the magic carpet ride be over for Tim Tebow? I honestly, my heart of hearts, do not think that he can be successful long-term in the NFL with his style of offense, but it's worked so far. I mean, right now the Denver Ford Broncos are 5-1 and one with him at the helm. He set an NFL record for a quarterback with 22 rushing attempts, and he got 67 yards out of it. Um, to me, that screams not only does he need to work on his passing game, but he needs to work on his running game also. <laughs> but, you know, I hope that Tebow can develop an accurate arm and an effective delivery. I'm, he can develop an accurate arm, but be more accurate, be more effective uh, in his delivery. He's got a sloppy, like, uh, he throws the way I would throw, and, and I, I, I'm a baseball player, so definitely not a football player. He throws like I would throw if I tried to throw left-handed, you know. 
Uh, he's got a decent arm. He's made some good throws, but he's just got this ugly release, you know. Give us your take on that, sir. Yeah, I mean, Tim Tebow, you're right. He can't keep winning like that. I mean, the fact that he is winning like that really makes us all look pretty dumb. But I think eventually when he plays a really good team, maybe like the Saints, maybe like the Packers, maybe like the Giants, I mean, when the Giants were good, um, I, I think that with a pass rush and a team that could get to the quarterback, I think Team Tebow is like maybe three or four hits, even a team like Baltimore or Pittsburgh. He's he's like two or three hits away from like missing the rest of the season with an injury, like because you cannot run as much as he runs to to be successful in the NFL. Eventually, you're gonna run to a team that's just gonna hurt you because again, quarterbacks are not meant to run all the time. They're meant to throw the ball. That's the, the that's their nature. I mean, Tim Tebow might be a quarterback for this year, but I think that after this year, I actually think the Denver Broncos are gonna trade or actually go for a quarterback in the draft and potentially make Tim Tebow either a wide receiver or a tight end or something like that. Not a fullback or a running back, but maybe a tight end or something like that. But the fact that they're winning is just a miracle. I think it's just going to catch up to him, sir. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But this is a good uh, its a good story. You know, uh, he's got a lot of hate. He's got a lot of support. You know, it's been a, a mixed bag for him. But I'm rooting for him personally. You know, keep it real, my brother. Keep it real. I'm hoping this is really gonna, I'm hoping that this is gonna end up being a magical season, sir, if you uh, if you catch my drift. Now I'm not sure if you have anything else you wanted to touch on, on the on the NFL, but there's there's some other nuggets that I'd like to get into here. Go ahead, throw me some nuggets. Alright. You know, moving on to WWE as we uh, you know, start to wrap this puppy up. Um oh. you know we had we had uh, sure, <laughs> sorry, sir. you're right there? Sir? Breaking sir? news, breaking news. I know. Um before we go into sports entertainment, I did, I thought you had another nugget that I have on my sheet here. But um, did you hear about the baseball nugget? Um, I must be missing that, sir. What nugget would that be? Okay, let me break it to you. Pure gold exclusive to DG. Ready? Here it goes. <laughs> Flying in from Japan. Yes, the man, the myth, the legend, Bobby Valentine, will now be the manager of the 2011 or 2012 Boston Red Sox. Well, sir, you called a couple weeks ago that he was not coming. You would be a fool. Uh, I thought that Bobby would end up there at some point. He did. Unfortunately, he's not a Met manager. I mean, it's good for him. <laughs> Flying in from Japan, he's he's already living in the U.S. He's, he's a commentator for ESPN. But uh, Bobby's going to be a good manager for them. I mean, I, I think that he's a bit overrated, honestly. I think that Mets fans uh, only remember the good, the positive. You know, it's like... Uh, you know, they they always look at everything. Like, like I mean, this is a bad example. Michael Jackson, people remember he's dead. They remember the good. They don't remember the bad. They don't remember the accusations and all that other, other terrible stuff. People just tend to have a selective memories. Um, so I think he was good. You know, he got the job done, but he wasn't, you know, the all-time greatest manager in history. He wasn't the best manager of all time. I mean, let's calm down about Bobby V. But, um, you know, congrats to him, and hopefully the Red Sox will be able to turn this slop fest around because we need them to take on the Yankees. They lost their closer. They lost their general manager. They lost their manager. And um, if you're going to get a replacement for Terry Francona, I'd say Bobby Valentine is probably the best that you can get. Um, you know, I, I'd break it down that way, sir. Yeah, I agree with you. So, you know, from one slop fest, let's get into the final slop fest of the night. Well, you know what? You Since you, you talked about not, uh, the whole sports entertainment thing, there's actually one thing I'd like to touch on beforehand because, uh, you know, my notes are a bit backwards here. Um, it seems like there's some more information coming out about this whole Bernie Fine Syracuse sex scandal, um, sir. And I'm not sure if you heard about that, but you know it seems to be clear that Fine did do some of what he's accused, if not everything. Um, his wife knew about it, according to a video that I saw on YouTube that was released recently. Uh, it showed her discussing it with the victim. Uh, I forget the, the kid's first name, but the last name is Davis. Um, his he the guy you know he's the victim you know that came out and had this whole issue with with Bernie Fine. Um, for so this is a so, story on so many different levels. It's almost like where do we begin type of thing. Fine was fired and rightfully so. Um, Jim Beheim came out originally adamantly in defense of his former coach, and then of course he had to retract those statements shortly thereafter as more uh, infos come out. I mean, he, should Beheim be fired considering what happened with Paterno? Considering that he was forced out, um, to, he was forced to step down over Penn State, you know, based on what he may have known, may have not known. Jim Beheim is obviously not the mafioso boss that uh, Paterno has always been portrayed as in, in Penn State, State Penn, Pennsylvania State College, excuse me. Um, but he's he's been an influential guy. He's had a lot of success with Syracuse. You know, uh, give me your take on that. Should Beheim be fired because of what what his uh, assistant or one of his assistants did or you know, allegedly did? Well, let's not forget that Sandusky 
witnessed something in the locker room of the Penn State football team, so I'm not sure if anything was witnessed in a locker room where you know Jim Beheim might have been witness to it or might have known about it. So um, I think that we need to get some more information before we do that. But if we find out that Jim knew that Bernie Fine was doing this kind of stuff and didn't take action or didn't you know go to authorities about it, then yeah, I think he needs to get fired too, just like Joe Paterno was. But I think that. This is a slightly different case because we don't have that one bit of information that, like Sandusky, we knew right. that he witnessed something you know, in the, inside the locker room of uh, the Penn State football team. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see where that goes. There's also this whole issue with uh, ESPN. Apparently, and this is where I saw ESPN has a recording of the wife and the victim. Uh, you know, the, the, the young man's name is actually Bobby Davis. Uh, he's just not a young man. He's about 10 years older than I am, but um, there, she's discussing it in the recording, talking about this, and Bernie did this, and he did that, and shouldn't have done this. Uh, they held this, this piece of info. They held this tape for eight years without releasing it. Now, should they be held liable for this? They never reported it to the police, and, and there's people talk about maybe it's doctor footage. It's not doctor footage because you hear the different several ESPN commentators at different times commenting you know, to Mark Schwartz, who's from ESPN, about how how did they know this? How could they not let, release this? How could they have this here? I mean, I don't know if you I don't know if you had heard about that before. I just mentioned it to you, but uh, you know, tell us about that, sir. You know, we talk about how Paterno should have said this, this person should have said that. How do you not do anything? But apparently, ESPN had this uh, had this info. So give us your take on that, sir. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is you got to do the moral thing, folks. I mean, we're talking about children, innocent children that are being molested and, you know, pretty much raped, and just their innocence are being taken away. They're never the same again. I just think whenever you have this kind of information, you got to report it, and you got to get investigations going because uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. If it's happening at Penn State, it's got to be happening It's got to be happening other places, and, you know, now Syracuse is coming out. The one question I have for you, sir, is that um, we, we see it in politics when, like, um, you know, somebody's running for politics – all these scandals come like out. Herman Cain, when, you mean? Yeah, when they go for president, that is when all these scandals come out. Now, tell me why that happens. Why do people come out 13 years later and say, "Yes, I had like an affair with, you know, him or something like that"? Tell me why it happens only when they decide to go for a public office or or something like that. I think it's because the victims they may be afraid to talk about it. Maybe something triggers it. Maybe something snaps. Like. Like this whole McQuarrie thing with you know Sandusky and all that and, and the victims. I mean something happened, something is triggered, and then of course everybody comes out of the woodwork and some are lying, some aren't. But there was a thing with Herman Cain that allegedly he had an affair with a woman nine years ago or for nine years. I forget what the story was, but that's what I was thinking today. Why is it these, these people come out all these years later and say, yeah, this person did this 20 years ago? It's because there's media spotlight, and again, I'm, some of them are legitimate. Don't get me wrong. But media spotlight, there's attention. They want attention. They want their piece of the pie. Some of them are faking it. Some of them are telling the truth. And for those who are telling the truth, I don't even understand. It's embarrassing. It's shameful. It's disgraceful. I wouldn't even come out about it, or I would see if I could try to, you know, suppress the information. I mean, maybe some of them don't want it out, but then when it gets out, they figure, why not? It just seems like everybody comes out of the woodwork, and it's all after one person. You know, the story, the floodgates break, so... It's always shocked me and surprised me, and I have no clue why it is that people do this or why they come out at this point. It just it it, it, it sounds suspect to me, and I, you know, again, that's just me, the cynic that I am with people. Uh, it just doesn't sound legit at times, and it seems like people are just trying to capitalize and get their uh, 50 seconds of fame, as it were. I, I think the best way to describe it, like I said a couple weeks ago, is that this is really Pandora's box, and we don't know where it's going to end up because we don't know if like. Everybody is going to come out of the world works from all these different colleges or schools, and we just don't know the end game. I mean, we know that some things happen at Penn State. We know some things have happened in Syracuse, but we don't know the end game, sir. We don't know what other schools are going to start reporting this kind of stuff. And then, like, I don't know what happens from there because, again, the end game is that, you know, we need better role models is what it comes down to. Yeah, and I talked about it earlier, the type of role models that girls have with women like the the wonderful – the lovely Brittany Bell, um, and of course Alicia Blanco and Morgan Woolard, and we need we definitely need role models in, in high prestigious situations and, and places and whatnot to be able to to look up to. And it's a shame that these kids have these these mentors, and then they end up being total scumbags. So I mean, it is what it is, and, and it's definitely disgraceful, sir. Um, but we'll we'll see where that goes. Uh, 
Well, let's move on from this because again, we can talk about this all night. There, there's a couple of notes, you know, that I would like to get into here. Oh boy, so many different things, so many different topics. Um, let's start with this whole John Morrison thing on, on Monday last night. Um, you know, who's written off WWE TV possibly permanently last night? An injury angle with him is. I've been a big fan of Morrison's, and honestly, I'm amazed that he never did more in the WWE. He was, he was. There was the point where he was quite over with the crowd. But recently that's changed. His whole Molina, Trish, Stratus, that WrestleMania incident messed him up in the eyes of the WWE, and it seems you know he never recovered from it. Uh, Molina was fired, and his contract just kind of ran out. Um, I heard that he's going to go pursue acting, and the shame of it for me is that as bad as he is in the mic, sir, and he's future when he's being, you know, he's he's trying to uh, talk publicly, but I've seen him on Zack Ryder's internet show. He's quite charismatic. He can talk it up just fine when he's being his normal self. It seems like the bright lights, no pun intended, Freeze this guy and other terrible actors in the WWE. Give us your take on the whole John Morrison situation, sir. I think it's a sad state of affairs, but you know, I, I, you know, just like many others that have come before and after him, um, the WWE just doesn't get it. Sometimes I don't think they see the big picture. They only see certain people being the main event, and everyone else could just, you know, either debut or you know, go into the main event once or twice. And then their career is stuck in the mid-card. And I think that's what happened to John Morrison. I mean, just like Justin said, uh, I believe, on Twitter last night, did you find it ironic that his career essentially ended by hitting himself into the WWE logo? Uh, that's definitely <laughs> that's definitely ironic and interesting. Um, you know, we, we I always thought, you know, last year him and him and Miz, or uh, actually, wasn't it this year? At the beginning of this year, they opened up Raw. Did they not yep. with an amazing uh, world title match? Yep. You know, and what happened? I mean, you know, where did he end up? How did his star fall so fast? And it just boggles my mind, sir. You know, and the one thing I've come to learn about this whole situation is that um, you got to add him to the list of guys who I was a fan of, you know, and, of course, they were fired without achieving the levels of success that I thought they would. You know, lump him in with the likes of Ken Anderson, uh, Mr. Kennedy, with Carlito and, of course, MVP. Uh, I need to stop professing any type of rooting interest for, for wrestlers because they end up fired, sir. They end up gone. Out of here. Benito. <laughs> See ya. But, sir, I mean, John Morrison is future endeavored for all intents and purposes. Yeah. And then I think Albert Del Rio, after he loses the next match against CM Punk, which we can get into in a few and I also think somebody like Jack Swagger, who's now being poo-pooed on. I mean, Zack Ryder is beating him now on SmackDown. I just think guys like that, they make it to the main event for a little bit, and then they're put into mid-card. And after that, after they go back to the mid-card, they either like are in the doghouse with Vince and are future endeavored. I mean, it's just a shame. It is a shame. It's an absolute shame. You mentioned Swagger. Uh, he's such a good athlete and you know, could have been their quote-unquote Kurt Angle, but... They they dropped the ball with him and they gave him a, a terrible title reign, like they did with everybody else. And Alberto Del Rio has proven that you win the Money in the Bank, it literally means nothing. You get a world title run and then you, you get crapped on. Look at the Miz, six months, five months with the title, and he is scummed it up for months. Main event of WrestleMania in, in a terrible main event, by the way, and now here he is trying to work himself back up to that status. I mean, he almost immediately got into a feud with Alex Riley after he lost the world title. I mean, come on, seriously. But Punk had some terrible title reigns. Now he's starting to move up there in the card years later. Swagger had a forgetful title reign. Everybody who's ever won the Money in the Bank, other than Edge, none of them have become permanent main inventors based on winning the, the title. Now Punk, is, like I said, is getting there, but everybody else has been an absolute. Their, their title reigns, they've all, every title reign for Money in the Bank guy, except for Kane, who had a five-month title reign. But Kane, of course, was already super established for years. He had a five-month title reign with the World Heavyweight title. Everybody else has had a... Has had a you know, pretty much subpar, short title reign. The Miz, again, had about five months, but that was a joke. Um, winning the Money in the Bank briefcase means nothing because you just basically guaranteed a title match, a title run that's going to be subpar, and then you're going to be either future endeavored or shown the door. But, you know, speaking of guys who are not future endeavored, but guys who are on the cusp of the main event, you know, everybody's going, going nuts about Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler this, Dolph Ziggler that. Terrible name, by the way, but... You know, he's getting more and more popular with the fans out there. But, you know, folks, the guy's talented, yes, I agree, but let's calm down. You know, Josh Eisenberg said on CSR this week, or last week, that Dolph is, is the best talent in WWE. And although we loved having Josh on the show, uh, you know, Josh, let's calm down, all right? If you, you need a chair shot to the head, you come call PG, because I'll go first, <laughs> Joe will go second, and then we'll DDT you through the table, through the floor, and super kick your head off, because he's not 
the best talent in the company. I mean, have you ever heard of a guy named CM Punk? Yeah, uh, Ziggler's not at that level, not even close. Um, you know, he he may never be. He may never get to that level. He, he's all right on promos. He's gotten better. You know, he's not terrible like a John Morrison, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done, you know. So uh, let's just all calm down with all the talk about how great Dolph Ziggler is. You know, the internet wrestling community goes nuts over these guys and latch on to them, which, of course, brings me to my next character, Zack Ryder. I love his internet show. It actually does make me laugh out loud many times when I'm watching it, uh, you know, whether I should be doing other things or at work or whatever the case is or when I have some spare time. Funny stuff. He had one recently where he killed off the John Morrison character right before John was written off TV because obviously he knew him and John are good friends and he knew John wasn't coming back. So they did. He had to watch each other. They did this great bit where Dolph, uh, I mean Dolph, uh, sorry, Dolph also appears in these internet shows sometimes. But Morrison w- was going out to a party, stepped into a white limo just like Vince did when uh, before he got blown up. Then they actually cut to the footage of the the limo blowing up when Vince's limo blew up. So they effectively killed off the John Morrison character, which was pretty funny. But that episode actually made me laugh out loud, and, and quite a few of them do. And Zack Ryder's a great gimmick, and it's you know that show has allowed him to get recognition. But come on, this guy is not a future world champion. He's not going to be WWE champ, not with that gimmick. There's no way he's ever going to make it there. So, yeah, he'll be U.S. champ probably. But, again, let's calm down. He has talent, but let's calm down, folks. This is not, We're not talking about the second coming of The Rock here. Yeah, he definitely needs a gimmick change if he's going to go over and and just become a world title contender. You, you speak about Dolph Ziggler. The only thing I can say, uh, well, I can say a lot of good things about Dolph recently, but the the great thing about Dolph, sorry, you didn't even mention the fact that he actually pinned Randy Orton, albeit with somewhat interference, but not really. But he did pin, pin Randy Orton last night on Monday Night Raw, which is, uh, you know, he puts, you know, that's that's good job by Dolph Ziggler in my book. No, definitely. It's a big push uh, in terms of that because you know that Orton and Cena never seem to lose anymore, especially right. not a pin, you know, pinfall one, two, three. So definitely a good job by Ziggler. Um, you know, he'll probably be in some type of feud. I, you know, I wouldn't even mind seeing Ziggler and Orton, uh, you know, not main eventing, but at WrestleMania, keep Orton out of the title picture, have an interpromotional match, do something. But you know, maybe Dolph could be in the world title hunt next year. He already is a one-time world champ, even though it lasted about five minutes, but. You know, that, that's definitely a, a good start for Dolph and a, a good boost to his career beating Randy Orton. But, sir, I don't want this to become a, an issue like what happened with Shawn Benjamin. Where he he pinned Triple H, you know, multiple times and then never went anywhere. Or Kofi, who had that wonderful feud with Randy Orton and then just got flushed down the toilet. I mean, if you're going to push Dolph, push him and push it, you know, over time, let it happen. But you can't you can't rush it and also you can't let it last, you know, you can't wait too long on it. So we'll see where that goes. <laughs> sir, there's something sticking in my proverbial crow, and i got to get to this before we close out the show. i got two more WWE nuggets, as it were. I don't know if you've read about this, if you heard about this, if you know about this, but this whole Daniel Bryan-Mark Henry issue is really bugging me. How in the world does Daniel Bryan get the title taken away? He uses money in the bank briefcase. How did he get it taken away? He pounced on Mark Henry just like Jack Swagger pounced on an injured Chris Jericho, just like uh, you know CM Punk has pounced on an injured Edge and all these other guys. He pounced on Mark Henry, pinned him, won the match, and then it was reversed and taken away because he wasn't fit to compete. I'm sorry. If he's in a wrestling ring, he's fit to compete. I don't care if he's wearing street clothes. None of these other guys were in wrestling gear when they lost. So you know what? Enough's enough. How does this stupid, idiotic thing happen? It makes no sense whatsoever. You're supposed to cash in anytime, anyplace, anywhere, but yet they strip it from him because the guy wasn't cleared to wrestle. Seriously, Joe? Are you, are you kidding me here? I know the WWE yeah. typically makes no sense, but this is just idiotic in my book. <laughs> You're right about that. I mean, I didn't know about that, but the fact that Daniel Bryan got a match tonight against Mark Henry on the holiday special—it's uh, not even Christmas time yet. I mean, it is Christmas time, but it's not even December yet, sir. He—I I believe he still has the Money in the Bank match, though, correct? He does. He does. Yeah. He does. Okay, so I mean, he still could be that guy that you said goes on to WrestleMania and loses that Money in the Bank match. He could. He'll, he'll probably be the first guy. Um, <laughs> you're probably the first guy, sir. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I'm looking at Twitter and I had mentioned to Carl Banks, hey, Carl, you still haven't got back to me about coming on the show. And all <laughs> Carl says is, all Carl says is, yes. That's his response to me, yes. <laughs> Gotta love Carl Banks. Uh, I'd actually love to talk about him, talk to him considering the disgraceful season the Giants are having. But getting back to wrestling, um, 
you know, we have the, the holiday special tonight, and I pointed out to my wife, uh, it's not even Christmas, but these guys are wearing Santa hats. Ridiculous, idiotic by the WWE. At least give it, put it in the middle of December. But anytime you have a live SmackDown, that's a good thing, so, uh, you know, I won't go too nuts about that. But, yeah, Daniel Bryan lost, so he still got the, the title shot. We'll see where that goes. Um, last thing before we close out, sir. John Cena took to Twitter recently. There were some questions or answering, responded to a fan. He, sir, he thinks the WWE title needs to change, and he's thought so for the last three years. If John Cena doesn't even like this title anymore, why does the WWE still have it? I'm hoping that CM Punk will change it. He needs to. They desperately need to change. I'd like a new title belt personally, but with Punk as champ, it would actually make sense to bring back a retro title like the Attitude Era title or the Winged Eagle because he's such a huge wrestling fan from way back. Give me your take on that, sir, to close out. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And it's just weird that John Cena would actually say something like that considering he's the one that helped design this current crap belt that the WWE calls the you know the, the WWE title. So let's just face it, um, CM Punk, you're right. He should change the title. I hope that they listen to John Cena because he is the face of the WWE. And if they do, I mean, I'm all for either the winged eagle, like you said, or the attitude belt because those are just two beautiful belts. Definitely. The winged eagle would actually fit considering you have the classic IC title. Um, they're yep. both around at the same time, so you know we'll we'll see where that goes, sir. But definitely, folks, we appreciate you. You know, we're gonna wrap this up. We appreciate you giving us your time and listening to another wonderful episode of Pure Gold. And words can't express how much we thank and appreciate uh, Miss Arizona 2010, Brittany Bell, for giving us some time. She was a, a wonderful guest, sir. Absolute wonderful, well thought, thought out, well spoken. Just, just wonderful. I, I'm impressed, and like I told her, you know, off the air, that she definitely is the type of girl, woman that I want my daughter to, to emulate. Somebody with a great head on her shoulders. So, folks, you know, we appreciate you again giving us time. Thanks to Brittany Bell. As always, the JB. This is DG of Pure Gold, reminding you to always keep it PG and remember to tune into the show next week. We will have our Saturday special Saturday edition. We'll tweet about it. Check us out. Our Saturday edition, actual date of our one-year anniversary. It's going to be an awesome show. You're not going to want to miss it. So make sure to check us out next week. And we'll let you know the time, because Joe and I are still figuring that out. Have a wonderful evening, everybody. All I can say is... What's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure Gold. (laughs)